Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about, and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Hey, I smell something fishy today. I smell something a little fishy. It wasn't today. It was last night. Getting a few text messages. Smell something a little fishy in the air. And I want to talk to you about it before we get into Q&A and MBR and all the good stuff going around the show tonight. Uh, what if I told you there was like this 45-year-old offensive line coach that was like on the pinnacle of the sport and, and wanted his first and only national title. And then he was like, you know what, man? I had a long stretch at my alma mater. They kind of ran me out as a scapegoat out there. Not really as a scapegoat, but kind of made me be the interim guy and walk him through the desert after, you know, Ole Miss, that being, got one of the worst sanctions in probably college football history. There were like eight-year show cause orders on that sucker um, in that storyline over there at Ole Miss. That's how bad it was. Okay, um, this guy goes through the, all this turmoil at his alma mater. They fire him, hire a new coach, all that good stuff. He comes over to Georgia, wins a national title, walks off into the sunset, retires at the age of 45 in the beautiful, beautiful town of Oconee County, Georgia. All right, you would recognize that story. That would be one Matt Luke. Okay, everyone, you know, been quiet, been real, real quiet around Matt Luke. Then all of a sudden, Matt Luke pops up in discussions for a Notre Dame offensive line coaching job. That's nuts. 12 months later, I mean, boom, here we are. Like, I'm getting text messages from Notre Dame writers. Hey, man, what you, you, you know something about Matt Luke. Tell me about Matt Luke. Not like a, tell me what you think about Matt Luke. Like, would he be a fit here? Nah, tell me what you think about Matt Luke because they fit in a, like, they're about to do this. They're about to hire Matt Luke as the offensive line coach, or are very, very serious about hiring Matt Luke as the offensive line coach in Notre Dame. And I'm like, what What are George, What are Georgia fans supposed to think about this? Right? How am I, sp- like, well, how am I supposed to talk to Georgia about this? Because I, I know, like, Matt Luke was, like, for sure, like, retiring. Like, that, that, that was all signs of a dude retiring. Like, the, coached hard during the season, but that's what he did. He coached hard. He didn't do any of the other stuff that, like, all the – Georgia coaches do normally, like, while they're coaching. They recruit really, really hard, too, right? So, like, I saw a football coach that was ready to retire. Come to find out, Matt Luke was ready to retire from coaching offensive line at Georgia. Don't look like Matt Luke's ready to retire from coaching offensive line. He's just, he just didn't want to do what it takes to I – mean, I'm not saying do what it takes to coach at Georgia, but he clearly did not want to coach offensive line at Georgia. Because as we've told you on this network multiple times over, hey, man, like you you don't just like steer the ship. You are the ship in your room at the University of Georgia as a position coach. You float and you, and, and you sink and, and, and you drive that boat however you do. And it comes with all the accolades. It comes with all the freedom. It comes with all the, the uh, resources that come from that, that power G on your chest. And, and having the the the, the buddy a cop that is Kirby Smart, but man, like 
you you got to do it. You got to go out there and recruit. They don't they don't let you. I mean, Eddie Gordon was there for years to help everybody out, but you you got to go out and do it. And it didn't look like Matt Luke was ready to do that because there is like a stipulation in, in the contract that is you get to row your own boat in, in, in the recruiting uh, circles at the University of Georgia as a position coach. There's a stipulation. Y'all going to grind. You do you grind however you want. You select the players that you want. You got the pick of the litter from all, but you are going to work yo off. And if that's not what you want to do, then Georgia's not probably for you. All right. So I, I will tell you this. I don't know. I don't know about Matt Luke. I don't know. I don't know what what's going to happen with him. I, Notre Dame's probably a great fit. They seem no matter what, no matter how their schedule shapes out, no matter how their how their record shapes out, they gonna get that whole Midwest offensive line guys i see it every year in san antonio they all look the same they they all look six foot five like their name is tyler ends in a ski all of them end in a ski and then they play some type of guard slash tackle swing they're either real tall long six six 275 look like they're gonna have to put 60 pounds on or short stumpy ready to rock that's what they look like, all of them, every single one of them. So he'll he'll do great with that. They all will do great with that. Whoever is up there will do great with that. So maybe that's a great job. It's just like 12 months after you guys were told, like, I'm walking off from football. I love Athens. We're going to, like, retire here. I, I, I'm, I've talked to people that saw Matt Luke during the, the parade. I saw Matt Luke during the parade. Like, he was around. He's been around. His kids go to Oconee. Like, they they are around. So, like, it's weird. It was a weird one for me. I don't know how you should feel about it. I will tell you this. Your offensive line coach, from everyone that I talk to, because you guys know I run into a bunch of high school coaches, it's that time of year. I'm out. We're, we're, we are going everywhere. All right? It's that time of year we're talking to a lot of people. Stacey Searles checks box, that boxes. That dude's everywhere. He's grinding. He's doing his thing. So that's great news. We've got a loaded show for you guys tonight, as always. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of Q&A in between all of our segments tonight. Um, it is Thursday night. We've been here Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, 9 p.m., live and sharp for you guys. And we'll be here the rest of the offseason. So uh, whether or not you're subscribed to us on YouTube, you should be. Hit that thumbs up button while you're there as well. Uh, if you miss any portion of tonight's show, we are available now and consistently, again, I'm telling you, consistently on uh, any and all podcast platforms. So just search the Film Guy Network. You will find us. Hit us with that five-star review and all that, and uh, maybe leave a comment. I, I, maybe we'll start reading some comments off and giving away some stuff for folks that are leaving comments over there. As you did notice, we did get a new intro. Shouts out. Um, Off-season, man, it's just nothing but improvements. It's up to something season. We're always up to something, especially during February and springtime. It's spring cleaning season. I spent a bunch of time in here cleaning today. And it's spring take season. We got great takes for you guys tonight, and we got a loaded show as well and hopefully we can get some of you guys's questions in here as well start loading those up in the comments and in the live chat we will take care of those remember to hit the question mark up we're going to get a few of them right here after i tell you what topics we're hitting so i need to hit a couple of them make sure they're in there um we're going to talk about what is a uh, what, what it seems to be a a carousel of co coaching movements and, and and you guys seem to be holding your breath every off season i'm going to lay some truth on you as we always do here with regards to the coaching searches um, and what's going on and what's true and what's not, what what you can read through, what you can't, and how to siphon through what is maybe true and what not true, like we just told you. So that's good stuff. Um, and what else we got? Oh, 
It's Thursday. We're going to take a look around. It's a, it's, it's a great conference here in the Southeastern Conference of Football. Um, it is the football capital of college football. So we're going to take a look around. And tonight's foe of your one beloved Georgia Bulldogs is the Tennessee Volunteers. So we're going to take a deep dive, look at those guys, um, tell you what to be positive about. If you're a volunteer fan for some reason watching tonight, I know why you would be here. You subscribe to Film Studies um, back in the day when we were doing Alabama-Tennessee film review and all that good stuff. Glad you could be here. You weren't in the title, so you didn't pop up organically. But maybe we tag you and you, you find your way over here because I do have some negatives for you. It's not all peach keen over here. It's not all peach cobbler colored volunteer smothered nonsense. God, I hate that color. I, 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 don't, I don't have disdain for that football program. I got disdain for that color. Like they walk around in that Wu-Tang piss orange. Like all day, like who who wants to look like dehydrated urine wherever they walk? I'm sorry, it's, it's my mama in me. She coming out, she coming out in me tonight. Uh, she always told us, "I will you you are allowed to do anything in life. You can do anything. You can be an astronaut. You can be an NFL football player. You can be someone who talks on YouTube for a living. You can do anything, but you cannot wear that god awful orange." And mama, I stand by you. We will never, we will never, unless it's just absolutely drippy. In that Wu Tang. All right, here we go. Uh, let's do some Q and A's. Do some Q and A's. Got a great show for you guys tonight, as we told you. Too much uh, rambling, but it's Thursday night. We 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 here, baby. We alive and we happy. Uh, Robert asks, should UGA fans be concerned about Rayla canceling his visit? Hey, I, I can't be saying nothing because I got one of them blue checks now because I need to be editing my tweets. But you got to be careful on Twitter nowadays. Okay, that that's not a true report. Okay. Also, Robert of all people. You are in the Discord chat. You should be paying attention. We squashed that earlier today in Discord. Uh, probably should have put something out on Patreon, but I knew I was coming here. I'm sure you guys were going to ask something about it. I'm sure they duped a few of you. There was a fake report that Rayla canceled his visit. He did not. He'll, he will be somewhere around Athens this summer, I would assure you, um, on that one. I don't make, make no promises with five-star quarterbacks who I have no direct links to because five-star quarterbacks like that have, like, I don't know, you got to show up on them to get them. And I ain't going out west that far until L.A., so we'll see. I, I'm sure he's an Elite 11 guy. I'm super excited to see that one. That's that's going to be juicy out there in L.A. So we will definitely be out there. We'll get to see him and we'll ask him then. Um, but, no, I don't. I didn't hear anything about uh, confirming anyone canceling any visits. So don't worry about that one with Rayola. Here we go. Stetson Ledford asks, who are the top three returning running backs in all of college football? Wow. So here's where I show my ignorance. Um, the team we're going to talk about tonight, they got two good backs coming back. Uh, Georgia's got two good backs coming back. Outside of that, they, it's, a, it's, a, it's a smattering of information I got to go collect the rest of the offseason. Um, we are learning this as we learn it, okay? Um, no one vividly pops off of my, my brain from an opponent's, like from a, a team that Jordan or Georgia played last year. And those are the ones I study the most, right? Right off the top of my head, right now, uh, a running back, I don't, I don't know. And that's, I mean, like, the national media will probably throw like names like Will Shipley in there. Like, I don't know, I don't know who the best back in college football is right now. That that's a that's a really really tough question. And I feel like we never really know until like midway through the season. It's like, oh damn, dude over there looks like he's about to go for fifteen hundred yards. Um, always going in here. With the super chats, does Robert 
the damn good dog podcast says i asked for those not in the discord one can find one person can find out hashtag free sub uh yeah we got we got a free sub already so let's let's get that going uh let's take a couple more here matt rob says if all things go perfect how many five stars do you think uga could land in the coming class i mean they could land like i don't know there's like nine in the state of georgia i think in the 2024 class so there you go there 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 are a bunch of uh dudes in that 2024 class I see some shooting questions and why not get right into that off the top um I, uh, y'all know it y'all know it y'all saw it today people were talking about it <clears throat> saw it today or yesterday people were talking about uh potentially maybe possibly uh glenn schumann getting a phone call about philadelphia uh maybe might one day would you possibly be interested interested potentially in maybe being a defensive coordinator type deal um i don't even think it got as close to an interview first of all i I just want to tell i just want to tell you guys when it comes to football coaches that are 34 years old like glenn schumann these phone calls happen all the time like probably far more often than you ever would imagine i mean hell you got the uh, the los angeles rams calling about like the fifth analyst down the line that just so happens to be a must champ like he helped out a little bit with the outside linebackers and they were like hey go figure out what those dudes know bring them here figure out what they're doing right like that's how football works when you are a now machine and you start rolling that sucker out and there's this guy that everyone in the football world knows is like hey that 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 dude's like a wizard that dude's a wizard we should try to go hire him no duh it happens all the time. But let me ask you this, right? Have you ever been in like a negotiation or uh, trying to acquire an asset or trying to acquire a talent or trying to, you know, maybe purchase a, a, a fine piece of art or bid on whatever or pursuit of your wife or whatever, right? And you're going into a negotiation or you're going into a, 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 a sit down, right? And you don't exactly know what the price point is going to be or you don't exactly know what you're competing with, or you don't exactly know what their pay structure is when you're trying to acquire them. Guess what? That's exactly what it's like when you're trying to compete with like hiring away someone from a college football program like Georgia or hiring someone away from a college football program like Ohio State or hiring someone away from a college football program like Alabama. Okay, all of these play, all of these places are really, really hard to pull folks out of for one reason, primarily, okay, it's really hard to pay them more than what they're already making. Glenn Schumann makes $900,000 on paper. That's what we can pocket watch. That's what they have to tell us that he makes on documents, all right? That's not to include everything else that comes with being a college football coach, all right? So where does that place him in the market, Brooks? Well, on average, an NFL coordinator makes a million dollars. That's the net, the, the, the delta, as we say, the net difference, a hundred grand on paper. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say with all of the Ford dealership sponsors and all of the Coca-Cola sponsors and all of the housing sponsors around the, the University of Georgia and all the different avenues of income, there are ways to maybe make sure, you know, trucks don't have to get bought, you know, hey, you know, all of these different ways to make up for whatever salary expenses that are there. Perks, 
your boss does it, my boss does it. Uh, every single CEO and management corporation in this company or in this world does these things. Okay, salaries are not what they're totally are. It's like, it's like compensation packages. We all know this. So the University of Georgia, one of the hardest in the world to pull guys out of when it comes to negotiating contracts like this. So do I one day think Glenn Schumann might maybe potentially possibly think about leaving the University of Georgia? Yeah, he definitely will. Is this the one? Probably not. They've been through seven actual interview processes with seven different defensive coordinators. They thought about maybe picking up the phone for Glenn Schumann. This isn't the one to stop your heart about, but it might happen tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, that's the way this world works. That's how qualified he is. That's how talented he is. And again, that's how much of a wizard he is, right? So that is what it is. But here's the deal. And here's what you should probably pay attention to moving forward. If you're one of these people that thinks the world's going to stop every time a new coach gets hired away from your program. Munkin reeked of the NFL. Like, reeked of it. It was all over him. Every opportunity he got, he made sure that everyone knew he wants to get back into the NFL. Every opportunity he got. Maybe this is the first like leakage of Glenn saying, hey, maybe I will. Maybe, maybe I might, right? Maybe I might go to the NFL, right? But it's, it's, it's leakage, gauge the market, dip your toe in the water, go on and maybe a potential interview, take a really long, extensive phone call, then go on the interview, then go on multiple interviews, then go on like different interviews with different teams, and then we go get hired in the NFL. That's what that looks like. We, we might have just dipped our toe in the water with regards to Glenn Schumann potentially leaving for the NFL, but it ain't this one, all right? So maybe, possibly, potentially get a little nervous, but the sky ain't falling just yet. But a pebble might have fallen on your head. So just don't freak out. Um, let's do some more Q&A. Here we go. Let's do some more Q&A, 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 Q&A. Uh, so, yeah, y'all just got this one. Should we hire Austin Brooks as the co-DC when Schumann leaves? Uh, Brooks Austin here. Uh, no, you probably shouldn't. I'm, a, I'm an offensive line guy first. If you want to hire me, come hire me to be, to be your O-line coach um, or to be your recruiting coordinator. Uh, I think my, my two best abilities in this world are the ability to communicate and the ability to develop relationships. Okay. And that, that, that is what we, that uh, like, we do a lot of stuff here, but that's what we do. I communicate my points to you, right? I communicate the film. I'm able to take my concepts and my notes and we communicate to them, them to you and you absorb them and you enjoy them. Right. And I develop relationships. That's what I do. I think that's what I do best. So that, that applies to anything in life. Um, whether it be content creation or coaching, but you got to get your foot in the door and you got to learn. And I, I would have to learn from a basis of I'm an offensive line guy. Let me do what I do best and let me absorb everyone else around me. So that's what I would do. Um, so no, not, not, a, not a defensive mind first, but eventually we would probably flip over to that. Uh, J2, this is Jeremiah Callaway. My boy asks, what is your concern for the O-line next season? Tackle consistency. I, I think the interior offensive line play is going to be elite. I never, I never say injuries in this because those are football, right? Like my dad used to always say injuries are a part of football, no different than first downs um, and interceptions, right? That's what it is. It's the sport. So I never say injuries on these. But the concern, if there is one, is consistency at the tackle position. 
Ernest Green's immensely talented. He's got some of the the hardest uh, or or loudest sounding hands uh, that I've seen. He's got some of the cleanest tech from a young football player that you will see. His kick slide's really, really patient. Amarius Mims is an elite NFL-style prospect. Neither of those two have played. Um, I, assuming that Amarius goes to left, he's never done that like on a consistent basis in college football yet. And Ernest hasn't played college football yet. So those are two major question marks. So if there are concerns, they're the question marks. Those two, right? Um, we're going to talk about uh, a football team here in a little bit that uh, you know has some question marks on the offensive line as well. When you're but when you're replacing when you're bringing back rather three of five starters, it's not too much of a concern um, from a football standpoint. Uh, will Auburn suffer the freezer burn? Uh, first of all, just smack yourself in the cheek, just one of those, and say never again. It was a horrible joke. I, at least if you're going to make it like I, I tried to make a Hugh Freeze joke the other day about him praying us out at the SEC media days. That was both a Liberty joke and a joke about his. Uh, let He out here letting everybody know he's going to pray. So go on, go on, pray with that one. Uh, yeah. So if you're going to if you're going to make the freeze jokes, be a little bit more subtle. Uh, but no, I, I, I think that they're going to play offense. But man, you talking about bad roster construction. They had like seven years of Malzahn. <laughs> My God, horrible, horrible roster construction. And then they had three, what, two and a half years of Harson. We'll leave it at that. Uh, and then now this. So we'll see. We'll see what Hugh Freeze can do. But you, you better start recruiting. And with Hugh Freeze, that 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 comes quickly. Okay, it's just about getting the right boosters in there, and 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 he'll figure that out. Uh, but not not immediately. They're gonna they're gonna be bad. They're gonna be real bad this year, I think. Uh, Marion Campbell says, "What was the Vols thinking with that OC hire? Is he better than he seems?" We're gonna talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, is Ra Ra still in school? I've not heard anything since the incident. Yeah, Dan, he he took a video and put it on social media of him in front of his locker the other day at the University of Georgia. So he's working. Uh, my boy Rudy said, "Hit that thumbs up button." Excuse me, after admitting that he was late, uh, not elite. Uh, hit that thumbs up button and subscribe, everyone. That would be awesome. Uh, Rude said, what should people email for sub? That's a great question. I'm going to put it in the chat right now. It is brooks7711 at gmail.com. Hit us up there. That is our chat if you want to uh, hit us over there. Let's get a couple more before we head out. Uh, Jeremiah says, where do you get your fire graphic t-shirts from? Um, various different places. Uh, I think this is a Walmart classic. Walmart has them, but here's the problem. Walmart got super played out real, real quick. So I, I, I got the only Walmart ones I got were like first round Walmart, like OGs. Okay. So you'll see this Wu-Tang Clan, uh, shirt around town. Other people have had them, but I bought this sucker like pre pandemic. So I've been rocking the graphic for a couple summers now. Uh, and, and that's just my steez. You know, some people rock white tees. Some people rock three collar button downs and some khaki shorts. I will shoot myself before I'm out here doing some stuff like that. I shouldn't joke about suicide. I will punch myself in the mouth before I'm out here with the golf polo company logo and some khakis. We ain't doing it. If that's the job requirements, we're going to find a new job. All right. So we're going we're gonna to do something every time. And you guys know, I mean, like y'all see the steez. We're, we're always hectic. Like, I want as much clutter. I want as much high as possible. You know why? It takes you away from this. 
It takes you away from this, baby. That's the whole point. All right, uh, let's get on with it. Uh, let's take a look around the SEC. I don't think we got too, too many questions in here, so let's roll those back up and load those questions back up. At the end of this, I have one more uh, NBR segment, guys. At the end of this, it's your show. So however long you guys can sit here and ask me entertaining questions is however long we go. We might stand up and McAfee style this thing because uh, my butt's getting a little sore. I have a wooden stool in here, and it's it's not the most comfortable. And when you go three three weeks in, or three shows a week in here, the bum gets a little stiff. I'm not going to lie to you. And, you know, it is legs day. It was legs day, rather. And we went after it. So, so a, lot, a lot going on over here. A lot going on over here. All right, let's take a look around this SEC, in particularly these Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, we talked about them, talked about the ugly orange. I promise you, if you're a Vol fan here today, I will not, I will not, moving henceforth, make fun of the color uh, with which you wear. However, let's talk about this football team. SEC Media Days are in Nashville, so you're going to be Rocky Topping all the way down Broadway. Just go ahead and get used to that. Uh, it's going to be there. They're going to try to make it their show. If you're in town, I don't like, do people, do fans go to SC media day? I don't know if you would. I don't know if you're allowed to. I don't even know if you're, yeah, you definitely can't get into the room anyway. So there's no, really no point. You're just going to go there to watch on television. So you might as well watch on television at home. Nonetheless, um, Josh Heupel will be like kicking things off in music city. Um, and, uh, do y'all remember that, uh, the, the, the three year theory that we floated out here on the show the other day? Last week, or as a matter of fact, on this very Thursday, we talked about the South Carolina Gamecocks and how we have a year three theory in college football with regards to coaching. Within three years, I know who you are. I do. You're either going to reach the peak of your program or you're not, period. You're either going to reach the peak of your program and have an ability to possibly sustain that or you're not. Um, there, there are some examples of this in years past where, you know, maybe a guy flashes and, and, and lands Mel Tucker. Okay. There are, uh, years where, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's the fifth year, maybe you held on and finally fifth year you broke through There's very few of those though. Right. Um, nonetheless, you know, this is the year three theory for Tennessee. It's year three for Josh Heupel and under year two, boy, they peaked. I'm talking about they won 11 games for the first time since 20 or 2001. Excuse me. I can't, you can't even 2010 that. You can't even 2011 that. That is 2000. The year 2001 was the last time they won 11 football games. A um, couple things for you. The last time Tennessee won 11 football games in 2001, uh, Shrek had just came out. Don't get. All right. Dale Earnhardt had just died. R.I.P. And Drops of Jupiter was the, like the bop of bops. It was on the top of the charts. You know, I'm not going to sing it. I could sing it. I'm talking train, folks. The Drops of Jupiter were in the air. That's what I'm talking about. That's how long ago it was that they reached this peak. So in year two, Hypo peaked. So you would sit here and say, hey, three-year rule. Brooks, what does that do to your theory? What does that say about Hypo? Is he confirmed? Is he a dude? Are they verified? Are, are, we, are we here to suspect? that they are going to do this on a consistent basis. This is where the confirmation year comes in, right? That's what this is. Now it's time to show me, can you peel and replace? Can you see what happened when you win 11 games in this conference? Well, I'm here to tell you, when you have immediate success in this conference, people start sniffing around. They want to know. They want to know how. 
and they start paying to find out. And what that means is you got to start peeling and replacing some of them coordinators. It's exactly what happened, right? You was offense coordinator, and hey, now you got to replace that. But before we even talk about the coordinator, you got to replace a 4,000-yard passer in Hinton Hooker. Gone. You got to replace a 1,200-yard receiver in Jalen Hyatt. Gone. You got to replace a guy in Cedric Tillman, who though only played six games last year, had over 400 yards in those six games. He gone. You got to replace 51% of your total receptions on offense. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. That's what you have to do this year. And not only that, it's a like the byproduct brought the byproduct of success for this program is something that is no different. It's no new, it's, it's no different than what Georgia fans experienced immediately in 2018. I mean, full circle. In 2017, you play for a national title. Uh, does the University of Georgia in 2022? Tennessee's on the precipice of playing for a national title, um, and boom, offensive coordinator and Jim Cheney gets plucked from this very Tennessee program. So you understand this, you understand this process of not only do you lose coordinators, do you lose coaches, do you lose a tight ends coach here, but you lose you know two NFL football players on your offensive line, two NFL receivers, an NFL quarterback. All of a sudden, you will, you win 11 games, and now it's the expectation for you to go do such every single year. And now you have to replace. You got to replace like all the other greats, all the other confirmed, right? The confirmed football coaches find out a way how to do this. So how did Josh Heupel go about doing this this year, right? That's the question we got in the chat earlier. What do you think about the OC hire? Well, let's talk about it. They're promoting in-house. Okay, A guy in Joey Halsey, it's spelled funny, but it's pronounced Halsey, uh, a guy, Joey Halsey, who's been with Josh Heupel literally since Halsey played college football back in the early 2000s at Oklahoma. This is like a 15, 20-year Heupel dude. This is as loyal as loyal gets. There are good and damn reasons that Josh Heupel should have and did promote within with Joey Halsey. Okay. I don't know if he's ever called plays. I don't know if he's ever, like, you know, designed concepts. I'm sure he's been around it for quite some time. I'm sure he knows this offensive system better than probably anybody on the planet of the earth that's still relatively involved with Josh Heupel and not off doing their own thing. So from a consistency standpoint, a continuity standpoint, a keep the ball rolling standpoint, and just uh, honestly, like a – Give the guy the job. He's been around 15 years. He's your dude. He was your quarterback's coach the last two years and turned Hinton Hooker around. All these good things. Now it's his turn to kind of, you know, be a familiar voice in the head of Joe Milton in his final year before you do the Nico thing. So, like, all of these things are the reason you promote Halsey within. Box check. I'm comfortable with it. I think it's a great decision. I think it's absolutely a great decision. Um, as for the player replacement, right, we talked about all of the massive losses, 51% of the total receptions a year ago, but they have to replace the two NFL offensive linemen. And we talked about Joe Milton stepping in for Hendon Hooker. And I'm not here. We'll do. We'll probably do a lot of film breakdown uh, on Hendon Hooker much, much closer to the actual matchup of him playing football against your beloved Georgia Bulldogs. Um, but he is as inconsistent as inconsistent can come. He looks amazing. He is going to make NFL guys lose uh, like draft capital. They will, they will invest draft capital in him no matter what he does next year. He could get beat out. They will draft that dude. I promise you. They will see him in shorts and T-shirt, and they will go, oh. Guess who else did it? Josh Heupel, 
<laughs> he started the dude for three games and then was like, hey, man, what's going Why can't this dude play like he does in shorts and T-shirts? We got, dang it, Hendon, get in there. And then Hendon all of a sudden turns right your entire football program around. Price, I'm not going to say saves your job, but confirms your job. Like, hey, we, we might have a football coach here in Knoxville. How about that? Look at his offense. Look how great it is. I don't know if it looks like that next year. Maybe. We'll find out, right? We'll, ha- we'll definitely find out. Um, defensively, they bring back five of 11 starters. I-, I told you about the running backs earlier. I like Jalen Wright and Jabari Small. I think they're really, really talented f- football players um, and-, and-, and uniquely talented for this specific offense. So I think offensively, they have some things going. It's just about whether or not the quarterback can develop and the quarterback can play consistently. Right, I think that's the thing that often gets mistaken about Hendon Hooker. Maybe you guys do remember this. Maybe you do recall. Hell, he was almost a Heisman finalist, so it's not like he didn't get his flowers this year. That dude was extremely accurate with the football, intermediately too, like like twelve to twenty yards. That dude was throwing dots all year last year. Joe Milton throws a really, really pretty deep ball. I don't know how he operates within the rest of the stuff that requires to make that offense take the top off of everything. Um, so we'll have to find out about Joe Milton as, as the rest of the SEC. There's a bunch of quarterback uh, questions everywhere. We, we already talked about them defensively. They return five of 11 starters. Most importantly, they return Aaron Beasley, uh, their starting middle linebacker, led their team in tackles last year. Also, shouts out Heard County. State of Georgia prospect right there in Aaron Beasley. Uh, one of the better noses for the football in the conference. So he will return for what is, I believe, a fifth year. I'll keep it a buck, though. Kids say that nowadays. I felt cool saying it. I'll keep it a buck. I've never been a Willie Martinez guy. Never. Never been a Willie Martinez guy. Not because you guys aren't Willie Martinez guys. You guys aren't Willie Martinez guys because you didn't like the Georgia years under Willie Martinez. Uh, however, I've never been, like, super, super bought into it. I we'll, we'll have to figure it out. Last year, and this may just be me. But last year, I felt like, dude, like, holy hell, you talking about a blitz-heavy football team. And there was no – I didn't think there was a counter. I understood why they were a blitz football team. Just like if if I were a fighter, you would understand why my left – I leave with my left hand because all I can do is this. I can't hook with it. And you would understand why, hey, that dude definitely likes to throw his right. It's because he's comfortable with that, right? But I'm a bad fighter because I got nothing over here. We got and, and Rudy will attest to this. My 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 uh, MMA brother, my 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 trainer. Okay, he will attest. There's nothing working on this left side. That's how I feel like Willie Martinez is as a defense coordinator. He can do like one thing. He does that thing really really well. He blitzed the hell out of football teams really really well last year. He got home really really well, and I understood why. I understood why he could not get home with just a four or five man rush. He couldn't get home. He couldn't get to the quarterback. And he damn sure couldn't cover long enough to get his guys home. So what do you do? That is a recipe for a team that blitzes and pressures. But I never really saw like, hey, we've been blitzing these guys like four snaps in a row. Let's throw the left hook. Because they didn't have one. There was just never, ever any like in-game. I'm not going to say in-game adjustments. I didn't watch them that close. That, that's disrespectful to the coaching. I'm just talking about when I watched them down in and down out for like four quarters, I saw them doing one thing. Or two things, right? I never saw it. Oh shit, that was totally different. That drive, or oh my god, third and seven, they did what? Like I feel like I do that every week with really, really good defensive coordinators. 
we'd have to really, really sit down and, and search for the changes and the the the, the curveballs and the change ups and the left hooks for Willie Martinez. That that's always kind of uh, struggled me, but or, or worried me. But but it doesn't matter. What is the discussion? The discussion around this one, right? Is this is whether or not they're going to return to an eleven win football team, or better yet, will they be a college football playoff football team? Will they be a top five football team? Will they be a football team? that sits in the middle of the year and feels like they have an opportunity to play for a college football playoff or an SEC championship. Like they feel that they should be. That's what it is, right? Year three, theory says, you should have reached your peak and contained your peak or maintained your peak, right? I, I think a nine-win ten a nine, a nine win or below season is a major disappointment for Tennessee fans, and a 10 and above is maintaining that peak. So let's go look at the, the the schedule, right? I'm telling you right now, it's an absolute onslaught from a non-conference schedule standpoint. I mean, just look at this, dude. It is just murderer's row. Virginia, Austin P, UTSA, and UConn. How? And I, 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 I'm joking about Tennessee right now. I'm joking about all of them. All of them are like this. So whenever you, whenever you dip dips, Go on on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. I called you dip dips. Whenever you dip dips, go on Twitter and be like, whoa, well, look at the non-conference schedule. All of you play just dog shit non-conference schedules. So just shut up about the schedule. You know why Tennessee's schedule is tougher than Alabama's or Georgia's this year? Because they got Georgia on the schedule. If Georgia could play Georgia on the schedule, I bet they wouldn't be 45th in the national rankings of strength of schedule. No. But the top, the six of their opponents are in the top 15 in strength of schedule. Why? Because they got to play Georgia. Tennessee don't have that, but they got some tough ones. All right. And their season boils down to three football games, in my opinion. Because here's the deal the SEC East guys, you are Tennessee nowadays. You tell me you are Tennessee. You pound that chest like you are Tennessee. You should beat the hell out of Kentucky this year. That is a that is a not good football team. Should be a not good football team. Dandy. Right? You got Texas A&M on the schedule. Texas A&M is one of them schools from now on. Until they prove otherwise, until they show me that they can win 10, 11, 12 games on a consistent basis and not come out here and fart an egg in the middle of the season because they, oh, my NIL package didn't show up. Until that stops happening, they one of these teams. We get to mark, we get to check them off as a dub. You know who else we get to check off as a dub? Florida. That's right. You Gators, we get to check you off as a dub for Tennessee. So the rest of the schedule, what does it boil down to? It boils down to a September 30th football game against South Carolina at home. You have got to win that football game if you are who you say you are in year three, hypo regime. You have to win that football game, okay? It also boils down to a road game against Alabama. You're going to go get your comeuppance, okay? Both y'all going to be working in new quarterbacks. Y'all going to be figuring that thing out. But you got to go on the road and get your comeuppance for what you did last year in home, acting a fool like you ain't never won nothing. All right, so go figure that out. If Saban wants to hang up 35 on your ass, you're going to get his best shot, all right? So that's definitely the game. And then Georgia, right? You have to win two out of those three football games if you want to play in a college football playoff or even make it to an SEC championship game, right? You have to win two out of those three football games. That's a long season for those three games. Okay, and in the meantime, in between time, all right, you have to control what you can control, which is winning the football games that you will be favored by at least a touchdown in. 
which will be the reality. Every other football game on that schedule, they will be favored by more than seven against Kentucky, more than seven against Florida. They should be more than seven against Vandy, more than seven against Texas A&M, right? All of those games, they should handle uh, accordingly, right? That, that shouldn't be a problem. That South Carolina game, that Alabama game, and that Georgia game, that's what that Tennessee season boils down to. Um, and so how do you do that? How do you consistently, because it's not just a this year discussion. They play Bama and Georgia every year under the current model. All right. And they said they're going to protect rivalries. So they're going to play Georgia and Alabama under the, 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 the next model too every year. All right. When divisions cease to exist. So if you're Josh Heupel, if you're Tennessee, how do you consistently beat Georgia and Alabama? How, how do you go up against the almighty every single year and become one of them? Right. How do you do that? Well, with your offense at Tennessee, you have to be able to run the football. I know it sounds shocking. You think you're an air raid football team. But if you're a smart Tennessee fan or if you're a smart Georgia fan, you know that that program and that offense is predicated on forcing teams to add in another body into the box. And the moment that happens, all hell breaks loose. The moment the front side safety into the boundary has to walk down, it, that stacks bunch is going for 70 immediately. So can you do that against Georgia this year? I don't care who Georgia's quarterback is. I will not trust Tennessee to consistently run the football against Georgia until it happens. So Georgia is a non-starter for me for, from a Tennessee basis standpoint. When we come down to November, I promise you my analysis will probably remain the same. They can't run the ball. They won't be able to run the football. It's all good. You'll be able to handle it, Georgia. They'll probably go out and handle it. Now, Alabama, the same cannot be said. The same cannot be said for an Alabama program who, to me, has shown me nothing over the last two years other than, A, they sure do get a whole hell of a lot of penalties, and, B, they can't stop the run, not consistently. Alabama or Florida ran it down their throat in 2021 with uh, Emory Jones or twenty whatever that was. It was the COVID year. They gave up 250 against those guys. I think AM gave them up uh like 220 with the with the with the jitterbat with the jitterbug. All right. Tennessee last year in the fourth quarter. Bama's damn safety's playing at eight yards in the box. Alabama has shown the consistency of they cannot stop bleeding in the run game. Now, the difference is over the years, Alabama has had this guy named Bryce Young, this guy named Mac Jones, this guy named Tua, this guy named Jalen. They've had these quarterbacks to score and score in bunches. We'll see if they still got them. They, they, you know what you haven't heard? It's wild. I know it's a Tennessee segment, but you know what you haven't heard? Guys, find me irrational Bama guy telling you Ty Simpson's going to win a Heisman. Find him. Go search the annuals. Find him or her. Lee Harvey, all Lee Har the, 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 uh, poison guy, Lee Harvey, whatever. He don't even think Ty Simpson's a, the Heisman guy. Ain't ready to poison some trees, Paul. You know what I mean? Like, when was the last time you heard somebody out here just be like, damn, Bama got that, that next one? You don't. Uh, fire up the Q&As. I'm done with my NBR. Um, I can't believe I forgot Harvey's name. I poisoned them trees, Paul. They going to die? Yeah, yeah, they going to die. They going to die, Paul. <laughs> I named my daughter Allie Bama. All right, here we go. Thoughts on the new O-line GA from Valdosta, Rudes asks. Uh, first of all, y'all know me. Shouts out to the Gold South. 
Shout out to the Gulf South. Um, let me start by saying this. I ain't never been to Valdosta, Georgia, and not received an ass whooping. Not, never, not once. Uh, so if he comes from that program, that's like that's like the Alabama, Georgia of D2, if you don't know. Valdosta State, uh, West Alabama, Delta State, used to be North Alabama that we used to play against. They're now in Division I. Uh, all these programs, they shit out NFL football players. They shit out SEC football coaches. Will Hall, one of the the, the best offensive coordinators in minds in, in college football right now. West Georgia guy, right? Buster Faulkner, Valdosta State guy. Kirby Smart, Valdosta State guy. Will Muschamp, Valdosta State guy. Mike Leach, Valdosta State guy. Um, you get the point. You get the picture. Whole bunch of coaches siphoning through that conference. It is high-quality, high-level football. I've also heard through the grapevine, incredible, incredible human being. So there you go. Uh, what plays will likely – what plays will be likely with Delp slash Bowers versus Washington slash Bowers? Um, so we've talked about this on this network a lot. Um, the stuff that Darnell did as an end-of-line tight end, I think, ceased to exist now on your roster. What do I mean by that? Literally putting his hand down in the dirt. Bowers only ever did it as a reason to show that he could do it so they could hide him to go vertically. Now, they don't really have anyone that can consistently put his hand down and, like, move seven techniques, right? If there is a guy lined up on his left shoulder, if he's lined up on the right side of the offensive line, there's a guy on his left shoulder, can he uproot that defensive end and drive him out by himself? No one on the roster currently constituted, I think, does that on a consistent basis. Even Bowers, like Bowers has the strength and ability to do so. I'm not asking that guy to do that. Not when he's about to make $35 million. I'm not, no coach is doing that. So, no, I, I, would, I would not um, think you're going to be doing that type of stuff. I think what it looks more like is you stress defenses more in space from a matchup perspective, right? What does that mean, Brooks? Well, here's what that means. Used to, you were getting these tight, tight bunches. Now, I think you use Bowers' ability to not be guarded, period, and Delp's ability to not be guarded by linebackers. What you're going to force defenses to do if you tend to spread out or if you detach them from the line of scrimmage, detach them rather, not detach. If you detach them from the line of scrimmage, what you will force defenses to do is say, hey, we're going to put a linebacker over Delp because that's all we have left, and we're going to put a nickel or a safety over Bowers, probably both. Well, now, how do we dedicate ourselves to the run? We're probably playing it with five. Right, probably playing with a five. That would be tough. Brooks, is the football new to the studio up high left side? Um, I think you're talking about this football. No, it is not. That is a Ray Lewis signed football. Um, my stepdad, Mike McKinney, shouts out. He used to do a great thing for us when we were kids. Uh, instead of, like, buying us – I mean, we would get all the – we were spoiled shitheads. Instead of getting, like, all of the, you know, clothes or whatever, my mom would buy that uh, and give it to us. And Santa would give us the, the you know, play if we wanted a PlayStation or if we wanted shoes, that's whatever. Santa would handle that. My stepdad would always just give me cool stuff. Uh, and almost all of it was memorabilia. Uh, so we have the Ray Lewis signed uh, football. Uh, Roger Clemens, or not Roger Clemens, Nolan Ryan, if you guys remember when we first had this uh, studio, if you will, if you would call it that, we had the Nolan Ryan jersey behind us um has some vince dooley stuff that i promised to my boy jamie goodman r.i.p uh to to coach dooley uh i got some herschel walker stuff we have 
some uh, Roger Clemens stuff before he popped for steroids. I was a big uh, unit guy. You know, I used to hold my glove up, hold my glove up on my face, throw that cheddar or tutu. Um, yeah, all kinds of good stuff. So, yeah, football up in the studio right here. That is um, Ray Lewis. If you guys want me to walk you through it, we got nothing else to do tonight. We've done this before. That is my Space Jam uh, box cover. Uh, my favorite pair of shoes I've ever purchased. Uh, I've talked about it before. They, they have a, a different meaning for me. They, they were like a I'm proud of you gift to myself. Uh, both SI editions right here with Stetson Bennett kissing the trophy. My beautiful, lovely wife. Uh, photos of us at a wedding. More photos of us at a wedding. More photos of us at weddings. Uh, National Championship confetti that I'm sure some of you guys are still asking for. Uh, my other really, really favorite uh, Jordan box like shoe cover box uh my xbox gaming headsets i'll probably be playing with the boys after this and this is my my wall for my children it's like like multiple layers deep here so yeah we got the football helmet up there five-star qb by yogi roth good football book that i haven't quite started that is a bear I bought for my wife when i was in colorado on my bachelor trip so there you go boom run down the studio here we go louder hands ernest greener micah morris micah morris but by a slim slim margin here we go. Will Delp be doing end around sweeps and reverses? Yes. That dude can tote that rock. He's like a so Bowers, I think, might like Bowers might run like four three eight. Seriously. He might run run like four four two and below. I think Delp's gonna run like four five flat. So there you go. Shouldn't it be a Vandy party in Nash Vegas? I think you asked or answered your own question. First of all, it's never a Vandy party ever ever never not even in nashville it's never a vandy party i mean holy smokes dan you look like the guy that would want to be invited to a vandy party you see what i mean you see what i mean look at that look at that that that, that guy attends vandy parties all right this guy this guy nah this guy nah the, the, this guy hangs out with the degenerates that never got into college that, 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 that's the kind of party I'm trying to be at. And, and be honest with yourself, you you are too. You are too. Let's see here. Like, dad catches strays, as usual. Does Georgia's defense make it three straight years of allowing 12 and a half points per game or less? Man, that's – I don't bet against them, not defensively anymore. It's hard to, especially, I mean, with the schedule. The schedule is really, really bad. It's really bad. I don't think you'll give up like 21 points for, I don't know, maybe till Tennessee. Think about that. It was a boring football going on this fall. I'm glad we don't do live streams anymore. I'm glad we go to all the football games because, man, sitting on my ass and trying to make that entertaining, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't do it. I can't do it. All right, let's see here. Next question, next question, next question. Uh, we, we got the same return visitors in here tonight. Y'all get them rattled up. We got, we, got some, we got some more time to go tonight. Uh, Dan says, what do you think about bringing in another team for a spring game, possibly an FCS team, and cut them a check? I love the idea. The only problem is your football coach really appreciates that time where no one's around and no one can see them. I mean, I know the spring game is televised and like y'all are G-Day gaming, but he likes, to, I, I would imagine he likes the good on good aspect of it. He likes to be able to see and put situation guys into situations where he, that he wants to see 
He wants to be able to put, you know, matchups that he wants to put in. And there's a, a sense of controlledness when it's us versus us. Whereas, like, if I bring in a Charleston Southern, well, Charleston Southern's back side of their offensive line might all cut. It might all chop block. I don't want to have to deal with that during the spring game. You see what I'm saying? All for what? To to thump up on some some different opponent and and see some different jerseys. I don't know. I, I think Kirby Smart loves the idea of, hey, if I want to come out here and make this thing 90 minutes, I can do that. And Maria Taylor, well, she's not there anymore. I, you know, Marty Smith can walk around that, you know, woo, and he can do the Marty McGee thing. And we can, you know, talk to the, the microphone a little bit. We can show our school and we can have everybody come out and love on us and all that good stuff. Very, very controlled environment. And if you know anything about your football coach, boy, does he enjoy a controlled environment. Brooks, can I get a wipe my Cody and <laughs> take a Cody and wipe my Ladoo? No, you can't. Do you have a black bass baseball signed by Pete Rose saying, I'm sorry? No, I do not. Um, nothing signed by Pete Rose. I, you know what? If, if I had some Barry Bond stuff, I wouldn't be mad. I would not be mad. Dan drinks sparkling wine. Facts. Uh, Jeremiah says, why do you believe the DB room could be the best in America this year? Uh, those aren't my words. I didn't say that, but, I mean, why not, right? I, I think Malachi Starks, first of all, is going to be if not the best safety in America, he one of, it's like going to be really, really hard to split hairs. I thought he had an argument for like most impactful safety with the way in which they did. If you studied Georgia, no one flashed more than Malachi Starks. And Chris Smith played at an, uh, like a, a, an identical level. That's why I think the defense was so great from a pass perspective last year on top of the great corner play. Because they're going to have two first-rounders. I think Kamari Lasseter is a first-rounder as well as Keely Ringo. So, um I thought it was best in America last year. I don't know if it's going to be best in America this year, but I think it might be one of the most competitive and, and deep, right? Um, somebody got on to me the other day for not including Julian Humphrey in the, the defensive back comments. I completely slipped my mind that they have a 10-foot or a 10-4 100-meter runner hanging out, just chilling, and the defensive back, or not chilling, but you get what I'm saying, like, and then after I get off the show, I'm like, I get a text message like, hey, dude, he's a good football player. Don't do that shit. My bad. Julian Humphrey, you get your kudos. But that's why. If you're wondering why Georgia might have uh, one of the best defensive back rooms in the country, they're the deepest. Uh, probably one of the deepest, if not the deepest, in all of college football. Do you think there's any chance Beck gets beat out? I'll stand on it. The rest of the offseason. I'm not doing this. I, I am not going to sell you quarterback competition. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and write articles about is there a quarterback competition. We won't. We won't. Carson Beck is the starting quarterback at the University of Georgia until he is not. And, Darren, I'm not, I'm not doing that to you, but the, all of the writing on the wall says that. And Gunnar Stockton had a great year of scout team. That's the writing on the wall. That's all the intel. That's all the sourced information. That's all the people that I care about's opinions. All that. That's my opinion. Carson Beck is a starting quarterback at the University of Georgia. Quit asking. No, I'm just kidding. Y'all keep asking, but that that's that's my viewpoint of things. So there you go. 
So no, I don't. As of right now, no, I don't think there's any chance he gets beat out. Uh, how do you think Andrew Paul will introduce himself this season? Uh, I believe we told Patreon the other day we gave an injury injury update on him. I I, I want to say he's back running in straight lines, maybe doing some bends. Uh, a limited participant in spring practice was the nug. So we'll see. Uh, but I know before he got hurt, man, there were a lot of really, really, really good signs of him being a like a like a guy. Like might have been a guy last year before he got hurt. Let's see here. Can you give us any info on Wesley Wallace? I heard this guy could be a monster. You're talking about Weston Wallace, the guy that was in the article uh about um Jalen Carter picking up his tab. Weston Wallace is like top five largest human beings you'll ever see in your life. Big country. Weston was a former walk-on offensive lineman. I'm pretty sure he's like 6'6 and a quarter. I want to say he's like 350 pounds. Big dude. Big dude. Definitely needed a meal plan. I mean, how, how could you how could you not have a meal plan if you're that guy? Walk-on nose tackle. Uh, I, I was kind of like told last year during the spring because bodies were like, like, hey, man, watch out for this Weston dude. I think we we definitely put a nug out on it on Patreon about this walk-on nose tackle that was playing a true zero, right? Um, didn't really get on the field, didn't travel very much either last year. So um, we'll see. Not not like a guy. He's a guy that is a, a great Georgia football player, and he is important to your program but not a dude we're penciling in over Nazir Stackhouse. Does that make sense? Not a dude we're probably going to see on maybe maybe a couple of downs next year, not a ton. Let's see here. Who is going to be the next UGA stud to pop for the defense instead of Ballard, Williams, and Starks? Tremendous question. It sounds like it's going to be Barry Alexander. We put out some good information over there uh in, in discord the other day about bear kind of like picking things up like picking things up at a major rate right now in the off-season workouts so there you go thirsty jonel aguero starting this year you know jeremiah i i i am a jonel aguero fan just from an athletic standpoint the dude moves like a first-year starter would move his body moves like he a first-year starter would move and I think there are a handful of things that you have to have to play as a true freshman uh you have to have uh the physical readiness right is your body prepared to play in this conference against grown-ass men he is a grown-ass man himself I think he's like 207 and a half pounds 208 pounds he's a thick thick man he is a thick man he is very 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 strong all right so he is physically prepared one two you have to be prepared for the transition of speed high school speed college speed this dude spent two and a half full years down in Bradenton playing against the best and he was the best of the best you talk to anybody around IMG who was the best when Jonel Aguero was here and all of those defensive backs they don't say Desmond Ricks they don't say uh, the uh, Ellis Robinson the 2024 cornerback that is committed they don't say uh, Kamari Wilson who is in that 2022 class. They don't say any of those guys in that 2022 class. The best safety, best defensive back that was on the IMG roster that featured seven power five top end, 100, top 100 defensive backs was Jonel Aguero. 
So transition, going to be there. Going to be ready for what he sees in front of him for the most part. And if he's not, he will catch up much quicker because that's what guys who've been around it. If you if you see 92 every day and Jimmy Slapdick over there sees 85 every day and y'all both go see 97 for a week, Jimmy, gonna, Jimmy not going to catch up like you. You know what I'm saying? 92 every day looks a whole lot you know, closer to 97 every day than Jimmy over there seeing 85. That's basically what I'm telling you. He's ready to play. Now, the third thing is opportunity. David Daniel Sisavon, shouts out. David Daniel Sisavon is still on the roster, as is Dan Jackson. Now, I don't, I don't think Dan's going to be a full participant this spring. So that means David Daniel Sisavon is going to get a bunch of reps. And that means Joe Aguero is going to get a bunch of reps. That also means Tyke Smith, who we've talked about on this channel before, moving to safety, is probably going to get some reps as well. Your thoughts on Smoke Bowie? Going to be an elite, elite star and nickel corner for you guys. But uh, he starts from the bottom. And he knows that. All right, he comes in as a transfer from Texas A&M that put on some weight, um, that needed to go through some cleanup surgeries and some operations. Starts from the bottom. He ain't, he ain't, he ain't scared of it. He's going to be all right, but he does start from the bottom. That means he's going to have to beat out Ballard. But before he even beats out Ballard, he's going to have to beat out Tyke Smith as the backup star. So, yeah, he got he got a ways to go, but he's going to be all right. Uh, I think you're thinking of next year for maybe some smoke buoy, unless they need him to play traditional corner, which he can do as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for Brooks Austin, myself, that is me, the Film Guy Network, uh, patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. I don't think I gave a shout out at all. Uh, hit that thumbs up button on your way out. Uh, we haven't done a ton of film content lately, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, hit me up with some suggestions over there on Patreon. Let me know what you want to see. I, I need to get you some content for you $5 a month folks. If you're over there on the $10 a month plan, yo ass been getting fed. So I ain't even, I ain't even mad at you. I ain't even worried about you. You ain't hungry. Y'all just, y'all just, you know, spoiled. All right. I love y'all. We'll see y'all soon. Uh, we'll see you Monday. See ya.